Well, this week, uh, now that we are finished with Ephesians, I want to look with you at something new and look with you at the Gospel of Luke. And over the next several weeks, we're going to be taking a look together at Christmas and how Jesus came into the world to save sinners like you and me. And since Christmas is coming soon, I thought I would begin our time in the Word this morning by asking you this question. What do you want for Christmas? Some of you, may, when hearing that question, might think about Ralphie and the Christmas story and the Red Rider BB gun, right? Which I'm told now comes in adult sizes. We live in a world of wonders, right? Uh, that's a fantastic thing. Um, but some of you if, you, if you really thought about it, and I told you, you could have anything you want, anything, including things that don't come via UPS from Amazon or Etsy or Cabela's, right? But you could have anything that you want. What would you, what would you want then? I got a really touching letter from a friend, a longtime missionary uh, to the countries of uh, Portuguese-speaking Africa. And in it, my friend reflected on things that he really wants for Christmas and that he hopes one day Jesus will provide, but which he does not yet see. And Barbosa told me, he said, among the things I really want, I want to see my dear friend Godi one more time. To share the gospel with him. I really want to bring my childhood friend back from eternity and spend just one more day with him. I want to find a way to bring all of my friends, some of whom aren't even speaking to each other anymore, right to the place, to the stable, where mercy and forgiveness showed up big time. He writes of these things, oh, if only I could. And then he expressed his hopes for many more to hear the good news of Bethlehem and to have it send them running like the shepherds to see, to see Jesus the King. And for Christians to be full of passion for the gospel, to be full of strong faith, to have compassion and mercy for the hurting and the broken, and for unspeakable joy to invade the weak and the discouraged among us. That's a great letter. It really was. Really encouraging to read. One full of prayers that I hope God will answer one day. If not this Christmas, then perhaps one day soon. What about you? What do you really want for Christmas? What would you do if one day, to your total surprise, God told you that the very thing for which you had long since stopped praying because you had given up hope that it would ever happen was in fact going to be given to you? What would you think? How would you react? Well, we're going to see that sort of thing happen today in the Gospel of Luke and see what the Word has to teach us about God and about His promises to us as Christians. So if you're able, I'd like you to stand with me as I read 
from Luke's Gospel, beginning in chapter 1 and verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy. And gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me. In the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach from among people. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we know that you are a God who specializes in doing the amazing and unexpected. The things for which we have given up praying because we have given up hope. You do those very things. And then declare to us in our shock and amazement that you are the God of the impossible. Father, help us to learn of you this morning. What kind of God you are. And how much you love your people. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, picture this, if you will. Once upon a time, you were a young man, just beginning your career as a priest, and you met and married a beautiful young woman, the daughter of another priestly family. 
Your union is therefore considered to be doubly blessed because it's the union of two priestly families. The ultra-godly are those who do that. Your union is has every expectation that it will bear God's smile. She is, after all, like you, very serious about her faith in Yahweh. She is like you, as obedient to the law as it is humanly possible to be. But the years stretch on. And despite decades of love and faithfulness to God and to one another and countless prayers, you never have any children. You've grown old together. And so you've grown used to the idea that this is a blessing that you'll never personally experience. And you've grown used to the whispered suspicions that either you or your wife must have committed some serious but secret sin so that God has kept you from having a child. And since you're one of 18,000 active priests, you have to patiently wait for the time when your order is called to offer sacrifices at the temple, normally about twice a year. But you know it isn't quite like the scrolls tell you of the old days. Because after all, when this temple was rebuilt and then later renovated extensively and expanded under King Herod, the Shekinah glory never did come back. Even though the exiles returned, God's presence did not return with them in the same way. On top of that, there's been no prophet for 400 years. And Rome has, for the last six decades, ruled through one or another of its puppet kings, including the current Edomite king, Herod the Great. But that's not your chief concern. You long to be faithful to the law, to worship the Lord, especially on the day that you have been appointed to burn incense at the time of the evening sacrifice. Because you're one of 18,000 priests, this is a once in a priestly career opportunity. It's the high point of your priestly life to be able to go into the holy place to stand before the golden altar that is lit before the curtain that separates the holy place from the most holy place and to burn that incense and to pray as it goes up. The smoke rises from that incense symbolizing the prayers that you're praying ascending into the presence of God. And suddenly... On that very moment, at the pinnacle of your career, there stands a mighty, fearsome angel on the right side of that altar, the side of blessing. Could it be? It is. It is. This angel is there, and you stare in wonder and fear at this powerful being, and it speaks to you and tells you something very important. Do not be afraid. 
It's interesting. Every angel that appears to the people of God throughout your Bible, they say the same thing as soon as they speak. Do not be afraid. Because apparently that is the natural reaction upon seeing an angel, is to be deeply terrified of this being that you're seeing. But the angel says, don't be afraid. I come bringing good news. You and your dear wife, despite being well past the age when these things naturally occur, are going to receive a miracle. Your long ago prayers for a son and your present day prayers for your people have both been heard and they both will be answered in the birth of your son. Can you imagine? I mean, the news is too good to be true. And more than that, the angel tells you that this boy is not just any child. That he'll be full of the Holy Spirit from before his birth. That his life will be specially set apart to God. That he will be the one of whom the last prophet that anyone in Israel heard 400 years previously. The one who comes like Elijah, Malachi 3 speaks of this of the coming of this person and not for 400 years has anyone heard a word from God like this and it's being delivered to you on this day of all days that your boy is going to finally be born and he will be the one that Malachi spoke about he will come like Elijah to reconcile families one to another, to turn the hearts of the nation to God and to prepare people for the Lord's own coming. And this is an amazing promise. An incredible prophecy about a miracle child and what that birth will mean, not only for his family, but also for the whole nation. This boy will be the Elijah who was to come. The reformer who turns the heart of the whole nation to the Lord before Messiah comes. What would you think? I'll tell you what you'd think. This is the most amazing Christmas ever. Everything for which I have longed and prayed is coming true. But it really is true. As shocking as it is. And that brings us to verses 18 to 23, where Zechariah's shock and amazement turns to doubt and then to unbelief. You don't have to imagine what he's thinking because it tells us right here in the text. How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Gentlemen, don't refer to your wives as advanced in years. Okay. means It means this. He's basically saying it this way. How is this possible? I am an old man. On top of that, Elizabeth is an old lady. Nobody nurses a baby at her age. In case you didn't, you know, weren't clear on how biology works. This doesn't happen. We're old. By the way, I'm not Abraham. I'm just one of 18,000 other priests. And now I'm going to be a father? Wait, what? 
not just any father, but father of the prophesied coming reformer like Elijah, that is not possible. But nevertheless, in his unbelief, he asked for a sign. What a sign is in, in your Bible as you read it, whenever someone asks for a sign, what they're asking for is some near-term event. Some happening that will happen immediately or very soon that you will see it with your own eyes. And when it happens, then you will know that this longer term thing that you might not live to see is also going to happen. So for example, Jesus, when uh, He was prophesying in Matthew chapter 24 about the coming destruction uh, that will come and then the, the, the kingdom to come after that, they say, well, when will this happen and what will be the sign? That's two questions, not one. And Jesus is, is, it says, well, this will happen when you see these things occur. And he's like, and the sign that it will come is the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. By the way, when was that fulfilled? 70 AD, in the lifetime of his original hearers. So that they would know that Jesus was a true prophet that he spoke truly about the events that were yet future. And so Zechariah is saying, I need a sign. Because by the way, I'm an old man, I need to have something happen here fairly soon. Right? So what's the sign that this is going to happen? <clears throat> and the angel gives him one. First, he introduces himself. I love that. He says, uh, by the way, it's not just any angel you're speaking to. I'm Gabriel. I am the one whose name means God is my strength. I am one of the angels who stands in God's own presence. And I have come from there to give you this message. Gabriel then tells him that because of his unbelief in God's word to him, that Zechariah will himself be the sign that he's looking for says, you will not be able to speak a word until these things happen. And it will be confirmation of the prophetic word given. And through the long months of silence, you will move from unbelief to believing God's word to you. Well, by this time, Zechariah has been gone for a while. And that's generally considered a bad sign. You may not know this, but the priests on their on the, the robe that they wore, they had these long sleeve robes and with a long uh, you know hem at the bottom, and they had pomegranates sewn around the hem, and then in between the pomegranates they had bells. You know why you had the bells? So that outside people could hear that you were still alive in there. Because you were gonna go into God's own presence, and they wanted to know that they had a living priest. On the inside, right? That's why the book of Hebrews makes a big deal about the fact that Jesus always lives to intercede for us. That He is an eternally living priest. And so you didn't have to, if you didn't hear the bells anymore, you're wondering, oh, I guess we got to suit up another guy and send him in there? Because this is not good, right? He's been gone a long time. Why? Because he's talking to the angel. And then when he comes out, they're like, oh, he's out. It's good. It's good. God didn't strike him dead in there like Uzzah, who touched the Ark of the Covenant, right? This is a good thing. The priest is out. When he comes out, he can't talk. 
Guess what Zachariah is thinking? Uh, I guess the sign came true, <laughs> right? Because uh, I can't talk anymore. And so as he comes out, all he's able to do is just... Now think about this. This is funny. What did he do? He asked God for a sign. So when he comes out, how does he communicate? With sign language. <laughs> does God have a sense of humor? Yes, he does. Okay. <laughs> and he's like... You know, they're like, what is this charade? You know, sounds like, you know, and he's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's on, you know, and they somehow he understands, oh, he's on angel, right? He can't talk, he's on angel. We don't know really what's, what all that is, but, you know, he saw something, right? And so they know that since he's still alive, that God hasn't judged him in there. Uh, and he's seen an amazing vision. And by the way, again, that itself is meant to be a sign to these people because how long has it been since the last time they had any sign from God? 400 years. To put that in perspective, 400 years ago this year, we had guys in like uh, high, high hats with buckles on their shoes eating turkey with Indians. Okay? Been a long time. Um, this is this has been a long, long, long time, and all of a sudden, after four hundred years of total silence from God, this man has seen signs from God, and he comes out not no longer unbelieving, but believing at this point. Because what's he do? He finishes his week of priestly service, and then he goes home to his wife. This is going to be a great conversation, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, how do you explain this, right? you got to write it out, I guess. And explain somehow to your wife that, sweetheart, I know, you're not, I know that we're old, but get prepared because we're going to have a baby. You know, I mean, I don't know what you do, right? Uh, you know, but uh, this is that they go, but he goes home to his wife. They get together and she becomes pregnant. How about that? Verses 24 and 25 are so beautiful. They're spare with the details, but they confirm that both of them believe God's promise. Both of them. Believe God's promise. And so Elizabeth, an old woman who is past the age of childbearing and her old husband have a son. The text doesn't fill in a lot of details, but it does say that she kept herself hidden for five months. Some people wonder, well, what was she hidden for? I'll tell you why. Look at verse 25. See what she says? It's a line of praise to God. Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when He looked on me to take away my reproach among people. See, everybody assumed if you were a woman who didn't have children that either you or your husband was a sinner. 
in some horrible, heinous, but secret way. Right? You must be, there must be something wrong with you. You You must be under God's judgment. Right? And so Elizabeth, whenever she would go through town, you, you can imagine, oh, there's the barren wife. Oh, well, you know what causes that? And now she, in her old age, is pregnant. And not just with any child, but with a miracle baby. The one who is the fulfillment of God's prophetic word. And she has to take a minute. Would you have to take a minute? (laughs) Okay. She takes five months to go away by herself and praise God. It's like, it's going to take me a minute to digest all that God has done for me. And so for five months, she goes away by herself just to praise God for what He has done. You know, yesterday was a pretty good day my house um i got a deer yesterday morning with antlers it was great right um my son got a deer i went to i went to lunch with some friends at my favorite restaurant in peoria children's eatery i had i had chicken and waffles benedict it was fantastic they take the waffle they put bacon on it and then the poached egg, and then the fried chicken on top, cover that stuff with syrup. Oh, and hollandaise sauce, son. Okay, slap your grandma, it's good, right? It's amazing, okay? It's some good stuff, hot coffee and good fellowship and friends. And then Karen and I went out to dinner last night, then we went to to the Lindsey Sterling concert. It was a pretty good day. I woke up early this morning, and I just read my Bible, and I just had about an hour just to read and pray to God. Uh, because of these kinds of days, good life is made, amen? But I've never had anything happen to me like this. And so she takes five months just to praise God. I think that's magnificent that that's what she does. That praising God for the incredible way that he has revealed his steadfast love to her and kept his promise to Zechariah. Now we're going to see the unfolding of this story more later, but hang in there. Here's the application though, to this story. You and I need to believe God's promises because they can always be trusted and will always be kept. As we consider what this passage has to teach us, we got to remember that in order to be transformed by the Word of God here this morning. This is, this is one little detail I've kept out of this story until now because I want to share it with you. You know what the name Zechariah means? I love this. It means God has Yahweh specifically. That's the Yah part of Zechariah is Yahweh has remembered again. You think that's coincidence? That God picked a man named Zechariah to demonstrate that he still remembers his promises made 400 years previous? If it is, it's one of those what my dad calls the luck of God. 
that when he rolls the dice, he always gets the number he wants, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, it's not a coincidence. God ordained this, right? As an object lesson for us. That Yahweh, uh, that Zechariah's own name testifies to the fact that God has not forgotten his promises, but is in the business of keeping them no matter how many years it's been, no matter how improbable they seem, no matter how humanly impossible they sound. And we are meant to see ourselves in Zechariah and Elizabeth and rem be reminded to always believe God's promises. Because they can always be trusted. Because they will always be kept. And by the way, you can trust God's promises in every single part of His Word. And I'm talking from Genesis to maps, okay? You can trust it all. Where God speaks, He speaks truly. Believe His eschatological promises, His last day's promises, those are going to come true. Jesus really will return one day to set up His earthly kingdom and He really will reign from Jerusalem for a thousand years. That really will happen. He really will one day utterly defeat evil and sin and the devil and the demonic realm. He will put down every sinner who refused to turn in faith to Jesus. He will even defeat death itself. The new heaven and the new earth will come and with them eternal life with God. So believe God's promises. Every sinner who turns to Christ in faith and believes in His death on the cross for their sin and in His resurrection from the dead will receive eternal life just like Jesus promised. So believe God's promises regarding His Holy Spirit also who really does indwell every believer and empower their obedience as they yield their will to His. And you can believe God's promises to guide you. Believe His promise for forgiveness of sin. Believe His promise that His power is sufficient to overcome temptation and trial and difficulty. Believe His promises that those who honor His Word with their obedience will be blessed. God is faithful to that promise in every area whether you're talking about marriage or children or family or work or finances or sex or your thought life or any other area of life that you can imagine, those who honor God and obey His Word are blessed. They are. God is faithful to keep that promise. He blesses those who faithfully follow Him in all these things, just as He promises in His Word. And so believe Him and act in accordance with His promise. Act in accordance with that belief. Believe God's promise about Jesus' presence with you in every circumstance, on every day. One of the greatest promises that Jesus makes to us is at the very end of the Gospel of Matthew. Verse 20, chapter 28. It's in the section on the Great Commission. Do you remember what Jesus says? 
He starts out, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, there is nothing outside of my control. That's verse 18. Verse 20, at the end of that, he says, And behold, I am with you. How, how often? Always. So does that mean that he is aware and with you in this circumstance that you think is the worst thing that could possibly happen to you? Yes. Is he with you in Alzheimer's? Yes. Is he with you in cancer? Yes. Is he with you if you are a caretaker for someone with one of these things? Yes. Is he with you on the day that you get diagnosed? Yes. Is he with you in death? Yes. Is he with you in surgery? Yes. Is he with you in trials and sickness and difficulty and pain and divorce and every negative thing you can think of? Yes. He is with you. Believe God's promises. Because God's promises can always be trusted and will always come true just as they did for Zechariah and Elizabeth, just as they continue to come true for you and me in a thousand ways, big and small, every single day. What this passage is here to teach us is to believe what God says. Amen? And then to act on that belief and His promises to you and to me. So let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, I pray that we, Your people, would be reawakened to the reality that You have made great and precious promises to us and not a single one of them will fall to the ground. But they will all, every last one, one day be kept. No matter how improbable they seem, they will all be kept. Father, help us to be like Zechariah and Elizabeth at the end of the story. Who come to believe in God's promise and then to see it fulfilled in their own lives. And Father, we praise you for them, but we also praise you more than that for Jesus who fulfills all your promises. And as the scripture says, all your promises are yes in him. And Father, we look forward to the day when we see even more of your promises fulfilled to us. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.